Business Minds, presented by the Florida Business Journals, and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, Jacksonville Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Tim Gibbons welcomes Pet Paradise President and CEO Fernando Acosta Rua as the company celebrates the opening of its 50th resort in fast-growing Austin, Texas and looks to further expansion in high-growth markets. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. I know we're coming up on a milestone with Pet Paradise opening its 50th location, and we're gonna talk about that growth and your growth plans for the future. But I wanna actually start by going into the past. So the history of Pet Paradise, founder Fred Goldsmith was looking for a place to, to board his dog that led to buying into the first resort and then expanding to right, more two locations and then building out by the airport and then just growing from there. You were COO in the early days of the company. Tell me what those early days were like. What was it like uh, when you were kind of just creating what is now Pet Paradise? Well, hey, Tim, first of all, thanks for having me here. I'm, I look forward to kind of going through the life of Pet Paradise. It's been an absolutely fun ride in so many different ways. But so I was initially in private equity. I was an investor um, at a group out of Connecticut and had just moved back down to Jacksonville. This was 2004. And I came across Fred, um, I was introduced to him by somebody and he was building the first prototype at Jacksonville Airport. And we started talking, immediately hit it off. And really the conversation was, do we wanna roll this out beyond just this location and make this concept more of a company? And ultimately that's what we decided. And we ended up investing. I think it was a million and a half dollar investment, which was a big investment at the time. In hindsight, it just, it really was the first of many that came on. Um, I was uh, on the board of directors at that time. There was probably 35 employees, really lean company. And I just got more and more involved on a day-to-day basis with Fred and really started the growing. So those early days were very, very lean. Uh, The directors uh, had to do a lot. Uh, We had some folks that were just really mostly retired friends of Fred's that had a lot of business experience and had some time and they were taking more operational roles than you typically would with the company. But yeah, that was the early days, some of the most fun days and just really trying to cobble up whatever we could to grow. It's interesting because it didn't create the category, but it in some ways did create the modern pet boarding, pet hotel type of of experience. A large part of the big growth curve that you've been on in the past several years. When you transitioned to CEO in 2016, that came after the Crane Group invested in you. How has that partnership helped you in growing? You know, a lot. I think every partnership kind of brings in um, kind of a new perspective and also a sense of urgency. I think at the end of the day, when when you have an investor, they push you along in, in a good way really make you focus on what are the big drivers. I think really what we saw when Crane came in, we had done a lot of acquisitions. We had done some de novo. And really when you kind of put those two together, the de novos were far exceeding from a result standpoint of any of these uh, acquisitions. So we really focused our attention to building versus buying. Brought in a VP of development, Brian Franco, who had a lot of experience really built out that team. 
you know, in a lot of ways, people look at us as a pet services company, which we are, but we're also a development company. We're doing a lot of development if you look at throughout the country in a lot of different states and a lot of different municipalities. There's a lot of moving parts with that. And I think if there's one thing I'd, I'd, I'd point with Crane coming in, it's really more of a focus. Hey, what, what do we do really well? And let's do more of it. And really, that's been development. And now, almost exclusively, our new growth is, is building, is building new locations in our new prototype. What's the secret sauce there? I mean, there is, you know, a lot of places where somebody can take their pet, but most of those are kind of one-off or, you know, two locations sort of things. You talk about when you've acquired them, they haven't worked as well. What's the secret sauce that you bring when you develop your, your own ones? Well, for one, I mean, certainly the experience, we have 51 now of these. So we know what works and what doesn't work. If you're a, a first-time provider of this service, you're going to make a lot of the same mistakes we did on the front end. A lot of those are efficiency. You know, at the end of the day, you're really looking at labor as the one big controllable cost you have. And we've really learned how to make these things as efficient as possible so our employees can really spend the most amount of time with the pets and the customers and can do all the other things like cleaning and taking the dogs out and having a very efficient environment. I think that's one of the areas we've done really well. We've also now really um, building them in a lot more convenient locations and that costs more. You're buying real estate. We like to say on the corner of Maine and Maine, and that's usually more expensive. And it also requires some more entitlement um, work. So we've got to work that process through the local city councils and get everyone comfortable uh, so we can build. But ultimately, when we open, then we're in a really good location. If you look at where we've opened over the last several years, we're in highly visible, good traffic, where people are either going to work or, or going to you know vacation. They're, they're crossing that area. They're very visible, and they've ramped up so much faster because of that. Now, it is more expensive, but at the end of the day, it's the returns have, have been a lot more uh, positive for us than, than trying to build out somewhere that may cost less, but it's, it's also not going to be as convenient for our customers. That's the, the one complaint about the company. And I, I say complaint in, in air quotes, which obviously you can't hear on, on a podcast, but um, is people here are like, you know, I love Pet Paradise, but I, I have to drive to it. Why is it not, you know, right in my neighborhood? And I look at some of these people and I know the real estate values in their neighborhood. And I'm like, that, you know, it would be crazy to open something there. But obviously that's the, the number of crunching that you're doing when it does make sense to be close to your customer base. You also have the airport locations, which is kind of built into the DNA of the company. You're opening, I think it's five airports. Yeah. Talk to me about that marketplace, particularly over the past two years as travel you know, fell off a cliff and then has massively rebounded. How have those locations done? Yeah, so interesting, going back to kind of the original model close to 20 years ago, back then people may not know, but it was really overnight boarding and a little bit of grooming. That was our business. Probably boarding was 90% of our business. Day camp, that whole concept of day camp didn't even really exist back then. That was just slowly starting to come along. So we were really honed in on where people were traveling and particularly leisure travel. So the airport location made a lot of sense. People are flying out. You're going to draw people from a lot of different 
parts of, of the city or from a geographical area that's a lot bigger, you know they're traveling and you make it convenient. Well, as now we started getting into other services like day camp and now veterinary services, the convenience factor is very important. If someone's going to drop off for day camp, it has to be convenient for their work. They're not going to drive to the airport and then go to downtown or go to the beach. So it's got to be on the way. The same with vet services. So where the airports really work is also, fortunately for us, and speaking of Jacksonville now, for example, that whole area around the airport has really developed. A lot of new residential, a lot of new retail, a lot of new people coming in there. So we get the benefit of of people that are not just flying out of the airport. I think last time we we really looked at it, it was about a 60-40 split between people using the airport and people driving. I know that split before, if you looked at it 15 years ago, was predominantly people, people flying that were going out. So our airport concept, you know, it's got to make sense from where the location, we just opened one up frankly in uh, in Richmond Airport, but that's also driving some people from around that area. But I would say the airport, um, pure airport concept is has been less important now that we have a lot of other services that we're offering. Unless that airport so happens to be in a, in a pretty retail and residential area, which they typically are not. Right. But then if they are, you get the best of both worlds. Right. You talk about the all the other services and the, the idea that the day camp was as a concept was kind of in its infancy when the company was in its infancy, the entire pet care marketplace has grown massively over the past two decades. I think 5% a year of the past five years was, was one of the figures I saw. You do have more competitors coming in. Where do you see the pet marketplace going? I guess, broadly speaking, and I want to talk about competition a little bit. Yeah. So it was interesting. If you look at when COVID hit, you know, we did get impacted because we're still boarding is still overnight boarding is still the, the largest part of our business. We're about 60, 65 percent of our business is overnight boarding. So when that leisure travel kind of came to a halt, that really impacted. Now, what we saw, which was interesting, day camp went up, veterinary services went up and grooming went up slightly, but it all rebounded very quickly and partly and you've probably heard about this, is there was a huge increase in pet adoption and pet ownership during COVID. There's like 23 million new pets were adopted or purchased during COVID. So now coming out where you had all this pent-up demand with travel, all this pent-up demand with people wanting to go out, and now 23 million new pets, it's really just been a huge boom for for pet services. And with the amount that people are also spending on their pets with healthcare, with better foods, more exercise, these pets are living a lot longer. So that growth rate, if you look at some of the newer growth rates, they're even bigger than that. So six to 8% on a bigger base already. I've seen numbers uh, growing really big in all those categories and people are spending a lot more. So I think the industry is very resilient, always has been back in the when we had the financial crisis back in 08 and 09, we we still um, were able to get through that. People do not cut back on their their pets, their family members. So I think the industry is is very strong, getting bigger, and and people are looking for convenience. I think that's where we're always listening to the customer and evolve, providing more services under one roof where where it's convenient and quality of care, and that's what we're always looking to to provide 
be the best providing it and, and look for new ways to provide that value. That idea of people getting a pet during COVID when nobody was traveling and then, you know, after two years, they want to hit the road and they go, wait, what, what, what do we do with Fido? And I can, I can see that some people not really having thought about that before it got to that point. That's right. So as the market has grown, obviously more competition is coming in. I, I was looking at a list of your competitors and it was interesting how many of them don't have the 20 year history. You know, they, they started in the past five, six, seven years. How do you differentiate yourself in a market that's getting bigger, but also getting somewhat more crowded? So it's interesting. I think the competition I've, and this has always been the case from when we opened our first location to today. And, and there's some great providers out there. Our biggest competition, at least from the boarding and even day camp, is our pet sitters or neighbors or kids or someone in your neighborhood that goes to your house. That concept of it's just more convenient having someone come to my house than actually going to, to the pet provider, whomever that may be. That's the biggest. Now you're changing the way they do their their life on a daily basis. So that's a big thing. We actually welcome other folks that are doing what we're doing in terms of a pet resort or pet service provider. Because if we can break that customer and, and, and break them and think about actually using someone else and not someone in their neighborhood, then we feel we can compete with that, that competition all day long. So it's really something we welcome when some of the new folks come in and there's, you see some franchises now that are coming in and they're primarily more focused on day camp. They're smaller in footprint, but if they can change that customer behavior and we feel we can compete with them. Now on the veterinary side, that's a very competitive environment and landscape there and more so because there's a lack of vets than there is too much competition. That's probably the biggest challenge in, in that part of the, the businesses actually attracting and retaining veterinarians. It's, it's a high demand and it's a, it's a simple supply and demand imbalance right now. And the whole industry is feeling that. I was going to ask you on that labor issue kind of writ large, as you said earlier, labor is your, you know, your, your biggest variable cost across the country. There's been issues with hiring in your case, you can't automate a lot of things. A lot of what you are doing, you need to have people there on site. How are you dealing with challenges in hiring? Yeah, that that has been a challenge for the last couple of years. I think one of the things we're somewhat fortunate is that, you know, we're in an industry that's pretty unique. There's a whole group of people, and I didn't appreciate this when we first invested in Pet Paradise, but there is a whole large group of people that that are just super passionate about pets and would rather be around pets than humans. I mean, that's a big number. I feel that way some days. <laughs> I think we all do. And so I think that's something that differentiates us a little bit and allows us also to provide folks that want to get in this industry with a career. You know, you mentioned earlier, a lot of folks that are doing this have one or two locations. They're owner operators. So there really is a ceiling on how high you can go. In our company, you can come in as an associate at the back of the house and cleaning and playing with pets and, and move up to a, a store manager, a regional manager, and even we've had some VP of operation come through that. So through that system. So we provide a you know a career. Now, having said all that, it's still very competitive. You have to have a competitive wage. 
We also really look at um, just other elements. How can we differentiate ourselves, allow employees to bring their pets to work? That's a big deal because a lot of them have multiple pets. Again, they're passionate about pets. And if they work somewhere else, that would be a, a challenge. So we're always looking for ways to really differentiate. And those are some of the ways, but it's it has been a challenging environment. And, and especially a lot of the markets where we are, there's a lot of demand. When you look at the whole state of Florida, we're in the high growth markets, you know, Austin, Houston, Dallas, the Carolinas. Uh, so we're in markets that are really hot markets in terms of growth. So a lot of folks coming in there. So we need to really look for ways to differentiate ourselves as we go along and attract and retain key employees. So as you mentioned your location, it's mainly Southeast and Southwest kind of going out from your home base in Jacksonville, big concentration in Florida. Do you see yourself, you know, going up North? Do you see yourself entering other geographies? I think we could, I think our focus, well, I know our focus right now is really high growth markets. So we look at what are the fast growing states? Let's get as many tailwinds as we can. You know, we know the industry's growing quickly. Let's go to where people are moving before we try to plant a flag in Omaha, Nebraska. No disrespect. I'm sure that's a great, great market. But let's look at where the high growth is and and then cluster at multiple locations. We get so much more benefit. Even Jacksonville now, which is a mid to larger market, we have nine locations here already in the Northeast Florida, and, and we could add more. So really adding more in a cluster is, is where our focus is. And looking at the high growth states, the high growth cities in those states, and then finding the high growth parts of those uh, cities. So we're a lot more likely to be in like Nocatee and some of the, the areas of growth using Jacksonville as an example, than trying to, to drop one into San Marco or Ortega, which is the growth, great markets, first of all, it'd be very difficult to find real estate in those markets, but you get ahead of the growth curve. And I think that's really what our development focus has, has been. And it's we've been very successful is, is let's find, get ahead of the growth curve. And I'll tell you a little secret, look for a public somewhere in the area. And that's a pretty good little indicator that, that you're in the right place. So we tend to be around some of the folks, some of those uh, big box retailers that are also kind of getting in front of the the growth. Fernando Acosta Rua joining us. In our next segment, he tells us what he and his team look for in a location. When Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas. Through its innovation and infrastructure investment, People's Gas has maintained safe and reliable delivery of natural gas to homes and businesses since 1895. More about People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy at floridasenergy.com. What do you look for in a site? I mean, you, you talk about the nine in, in Jacksonville and you have, you know, two or three in Tampa and four in Orlando and I know having been to several of your locations, they're not small. They don't appear to be cheap to build out either. So as you go into these markets, as you expand in the markets you're in, what are you looking for? The growth of that area. We look at the demographics today, which is important, but what's more important is where are they trending? Because by the time we pick a location to the time we open it, that could be a two-year period. So the construction give you a little just quick synopsis of our our development 
You find a piece of property, you have to negotiate it. It takes a couple of months, then you close. And then, well, you have to get it entitled too. So that's a couple of months. You're going through city council meetings or or local commission meetings, Um, then the pricing, building permits, and now you start construction. And that's now in this environment about a 13 month period. So beginning to end, you're looking at about a two year period. So kind of getting ahead of that growth curve where people are moving, um, we we look at about a 20 minute drive time is mm-hmm. geographically, and that's different in Orlando than it is in, in Gainesville. So we kind of look at where we can draw upon from a 20 minute drive time. And then a, another consideration, is this a market where we can add more locations and really build out that cluster? And really leverage our marketing, our operations, uh, a lot of the other factors that that make them uh, more successful. So, surprisingly, I, I will say it's it works pretty well in a lot of different places. We have, you know, some of the the markets like Gainesville I just mentioned was pretty rural when we started, and everything's kind of moved in that direction towards Newberry over um, where a lot of the growth is by hail plantation and some of those areas, and it's it's really worked well. So. We've got a really good team uh, from the development side. Like I said, we're a pet services company that sits on a development company, basically. I got to ask, when we're talking about construction, do, do all of the locations have the bone-shaped pool? That is a must. And it's funny, we've talked about that before. Is this really an efficient use of a pool? We could do something a lot more practical, but we've come back and, and said, hey, this is our, like a McDonald's arches. This is our brand we have the bone shape pool and we've made a lot of enhancements to it. Now it's zero entry. So even the little guys can come in and it's not like a big drop off, like some of the earlier ones, but it's been a challenge to develop that one. But yes, the answer is yes. All our new locations, some of the acquisitions we made didn't have that, but they all have a water feature. It's interesting when you talk about making improvements to the pool, that that's such a minor thing in the the vast scale when you think about operating a, a pet resort. But as you've grown, it seems that you have have thought through a lot of those different things. When you talk about efficiency, when you talk about the the vibe of the place that um, that you're creating, what other uh, lessons have you learned over the, the past 17 years? Well, an interesting one with the pool in mind, when you think of pet paradise, and I think even today, when people think of pet paradise, they think of the labs and the goldens and jumping in the pool and the big play groups. Well, there's a huge uh, group of small dogs that are out there that if you're a small dog, if you have a pug or you have a beagle or someone, uh, a smaller pet, you may look and say, that's really neat, but that doesn't really... That's, you know, I, I don't really buy into that or it doesn't speak to me because I have a smaller pet. Um, so that was an area, all our new locations now have an area called Tiny Town. It is specifically for smaller breeds and smaller dogs, all indoor play area. They have their rooms in a separate area. They have, it's their own kind of pet resort within a pet resort. And that's been a, a, a big I think from a customer standpoint, it's really resonated that, hey, that now they have a place for, for my pet. I feel a lot more comfortable with that. That's that's one. I think another piece that we really honed in on, if you look at our new locations, we call them versions 3.0, is the tour hall takes you all the way to the back of the resort. So initially you would stop, you'd walk down the hall, look to the left, look to the right, and you have to kind of look through 
a glass door there to kind of see, but we couldn't take people back there because the pet suites were right there. It caused the dogs to bark and it was, you know, it could get wet. And the feedback we got from the customers is, hey, I really want to see, I want more transparency and visibility to the back of, of the resort. So now with the new tour halls, we call them, we can walk them all the way to the very back of the resort and they get a full flavor of, of what Pet Paradise has to offer. And, and that's where we feel we win. If we can get them in the door and show them what we do and how we do it, we're very confident we will win against any competition. So those are just a couple of things. Having the live-in caretaker is something very, that resonates with people. They have, all of them have a manager or assistant manager or someone at the resort that lives there. That's their residence. And now with vet services, that's also something that's a, a big benefit. I think even if you're not coming there for vet services, knowing that there's a veterinarian on site is, is another very positive attribute for and a differentiator as well. So what's next in terms of not growth, but in adding to these services that you offer? Obviously going from a focus on overnight boarding, you have the you have day camp mentioned adding veterinarian, obviously things that make you stand out in the marketplace and you know have a have a different revenue stream. What other things are you looking at that you'd add to the mix? You know, one of the the big things we're we're always looking at is technology. How can we really leverage technology more? So this industry, just stepping back a, a little bit, is a mom and pop industry. Has been there. There, we're we're one of the largest, if not the largest, in in this space from a branded boarding, grooming, day camp kind of comprehensive pet services. So a lot of one up mom and pops or two. So the software has historically really been for single resort or single um, operators. So someone that has 51, that's very, very rare. So we've had to be on the forefront of, of a lot of the technological advances for that to really be able to do what we need it to do. We've, we've made a huge investment over the last year on an app. So now we have an app that you can make reservations. Now we're making enhancements to it. And we're going to continue to invest in that app to really create more visibility and transparency between the pet and the owner. When that pet is dropped off and, and you're on your cell phone, you can, you can go in there and check, hey, Fluffy's gone out to eat. He's at this playtime. His, he's eating all his dinner last night. Just have a, a lot of communication where right now that communication is happening, but in a very clunky way where someone has to pick up the phone, call the resort. Hey, how did Fluffy do last night? So if we can start streamlining a lot of that, that communications between the customer and the pet, that's, that's a big differentiator. It's, it's an expensive one that we're embarking on and already have made great progress where you can make, but that's something we're building. That's not an off the shelf product. So um, again, there's no one doing what we're doing to the scale. So a lot of the stuff we, that we have to build is we have to build it for ourselves. It's, there's not an off-the-shelf product we can just plug and play. As you look at the investments you've made in, in your processes, in the technology, have you given any thought to franchising? So our founder, Fred Goldsmith, back he started as a Wendy's franchisee back when there were like 40 Wendy's. Um, and he had... 13 of them in the Tennessee area. So he's very, very familiar with the franchisee model. 
And we never felt that this was something that would really work well. It's a, it's a very different model. I think for us too, it's, it's a, well, for a franchisee, it's very expensive. So all in for our new resorts are about $7 million and growing. When we started, it was 2 million and we thought that was crazy. Now it's, it's with construction costs and all the features, it's way beyond that. So for a franchisee, that would be a big, big investment. And the second big thing, which was our challenge in the earlier days, you were asking what were some of the challenges is these are single purpose buildings. So when you look to finance these, if it's a bank and now we have REITs that finance them, you know, they're looking at the operating, they say, okay, you guys have 51 of these. We, we, we have a lot of trust that you're going to make it happen because you have. So they're more willing to finance us. I think it'd be tough for a first time operator of a franchise to be able to have that kind of investment behind them from one of the REITs. So right now we really want to just, you know, and you also control the brand and our brand is very, we're very brand focused. It's something we spend a lot of time in protecting and you lose a little bit of that when you start franchising out. So I, I don't see us really franchising because we really don't need it. And I think our, our focus right now is to continue to grow the brand and add more locations. So what else is on the horizon for the company? Yeah, I think we try, Tim, always to listen to to the customer. Where else can we provide value? How can we make the experience faster? So we're always looking to make it more convenient. Drop in, drop out. I think there's a couple of things that hopefully we'll announce here in the, the next couple of months will be something, a, kind of a new concept smaller concept, um, maybe in a more urban environment. We're going to look at that. Maybe some other services uh, like training. We hear a lot about that. Training would would be a, a natural mix there. Training also getting the trainers and the consistency and all the things associated with rolling out a, a new service offering. I think that's something we'll really continue to look at and, and really do the things. I think one thing we've always done is do fewer things, but try to do them better than anybody else. And you go to some places and there's a menu of a million different things they offer from massages to manicures for pets. And we're just not going to do that. We're going to stick to the things that that we know that, that add value and try to be the absolute best and continue to invest in the people. I think that's something else. Training, you can never train enough. That's also not just good for the customer and, and the pet care, but you you invest in people in training. That's also a retention tool. And that's something that we always, how do we make that that employee really continue to be a part of the company and grow with us going forward? Funny when you talk about having training as an option, you know, for the pets, the, I was talking to a, mentioned to a friend that I'd be talking to you and uh, that, that was her first question. When, when are they going to start uh, offering training? So <laughs> I uh, should be happy to hear that uh, that is in the works. Yeah, uh, sounds like a lot of exciting things. More more urban options um, will obviously expand the the pool of places you can be, and that sounds like an interesting direction to grow. So, well, that was everything I had to ask. Um, anything else that we haven't covered? No, I think it's 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 just amazing. Just like this conversation, going back and kind of reliving back from two thousand four, which is really when started in this, and here we are in two thousand you know, coming up on 20 years. And it's really amazing how fast it's gone and how fresh it still feels. People, people love to say, Oh, what a great idea. I wish I would have thought of that. And it's like, well, it's more than an idea. This is a, 
20 year overnight success. This was a lot of hard work by a lot of people and really bringing in, I think the talent that we've brought in, not just at the resort level. If you look at our executive management team that we've brought in here, some really strong folks from big businesses and and bring a lot of expertise in here. And as a high growth company, we'll be over 2000 employees by the end of this year. And with our growth rate, that number will double in the next three or four years. That whole HR function is one of those um, unsung heroes, I think, of companies you don't look at. You, you think of finance, that's a very critical part of any business, but having the right HR team in place and making sure that you have the right tools in place for retention and hiring the right people and training and compensating and rewarding, all that's a, that's such a critical part of a business that I, I let people, when people ask, hey, what would you, you know, if there's something you do differently, I, I don't know if I do anything differently, but really an, an appreciation of how important that role is and, and bringing in really strong people in that role is, is so critical. It's funny you talk about the overnight success. So I happened to be covering uh, the Jacksonville airport when the, the first one opened up and did some stories on it back then. It, it's funny looking back at what was seen as just oh, a good idea for travelers. And now it's the company that it's become. It, uh, it's, it's been quite a journey. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a, a great ride and, and the best is yet to come. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pet Paradise President and CEO Fernando Acosta Rua joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Florida Business Journals, and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.